0: Hello and welcome to the Startup Diaries. In today's episode, we have Richard Milnes, the founder of Zaptic. Richard talks us through his journey into technology and creating the Zaptic product, which is actually very reminiscent of a, another well-known tech, tech entrepreneur and his journey into technology. He also gives us a description of the phrase, dangerously agile and how he has implemented that into the culture of Zaptic. He also gives us a really good, honest, transparent view into the values and how he's built the team over at Zaptic. I think it's a really interesting one, so give it a listen. Hello, Richard. Hey, Chris. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and the story behind Zaptic?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. I'm Richard. I'm the CEO and one of the founders at Zaptic. Uh, Zaptec actually originally started uh, a few years ago, and it came out of the back of what started off, believe it or not, as a web design company. And we were developing various different local websites, and over time that actually became more like a digital consultancy where we were developing not websites, but software applications. And after a few years, it got to a point where when I started at university, I was running a digital agency where we were developing supply chain critical software for companies like Unilever, for Carlsberg. And it got to a point where I was sat in a lecture, and instead of focusing on the lecture, I was actually writing um, software (laughs) for managing the supply chain in some of these companies. So it was really quite an interesting time. And while we were doing that, uh, we actually felt that we'd built the same application about five times. And we realized that every industrial company in the world has pretty much got the exact same problem. And that's what's called the skills gap. So the average age of a workforce uh, is actually increasing. So you know, for various reasons, that uh, most of the skilled workers tend to be of an older generation and more and more they're starting to retire. And on the flip side, the actual complexity of day-to-day work is getting harder. Um, whereas 20 years ago, you might have been putting boxes in a conveyor belt. Now you're responsible to maintain and update the uh, robot that's putting boxes in a conveyor belt. But more often than not, it's actually the same person. Mm-hmm. So this massive cultural shift is happening where we're trying to move... Um, you know, quote unquote unskilled workers to being sort of skilled knowledge workers and that was a problem that we realised we'd been solving over and over again in various different ways so that's when I was sat in a particularly boring networking lecture at university and I was thinking you know, why the heck am I here learning about what the 8th digit in um, uh, an Ethernet packet was so I thought you know what um, I'm going to drop out university and I'm going to go after this problem so I dropped out of university. I started to build the original um, bit of a platform, but then I realized I was you know, far from qualified myself to be able to build this kind of company. Uh, I didn't have a cat in hell's chance of um, of doing that. So then that's when I started to find you know, the best people I could possibly find to bring on board and bring onto a team. And that's when uh, we were able to build up a founding team of some really amazing people. And from there, we actually originally started to go after um, for retail vertical mm-hmm. um, because that's where we'd worked the most so we developed a solution that was being used by you know brands like uh, Red Bull, Monster, McVitie's uh, and more you know to manage their day-to-day uh, retail teams out in the field and yeah, you know, that was great and we were building a successful business there and we still operate there but we, we kind of felt like there was something missing and um, around about the same time, we were raising money from um, Silicon Valley investors. So we've raised now um, uh, just over 5 million in funding. And uh, you know, when you do that, that then comes with certain expectations and growth margins. So in order to hit our kind of growth objectives, we realized actually we need to find a chunkier one a bigger one So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's when we went back to a drawing board and we thought, well, actually, where is the biggest, where is, what, what industry is feeling this problem um, the worst and we looked at manufacturing and we realized a lot of our methodology and our beliefs all stem from uh, the methodology and beliefs in manufacturing so in 2018 we pivoted and since since doing that we've now closed deals with some of the largest manufacturers in the world Uh, companies like Carlsberg are now relying on Zaptic every day Um, and we're looking forward to moving forward now we're just about to close another funding round and we're going to use that capital to grow Zaptic and you we believe that you know, there needs to be a Microsoft-scale organization focused on the world of as workers, mm-hmm. and you know, we're hoping to be it.
0: I just imagine in the Social Network film with Zuckerberg walking out, with, just with your face now, at the, well at university going, <laughs> no, I don't need to do this anymore. Um, one of the words you obviously used there was, was the word pivot, um, and, and when we were discussing doing this podcast, it was, several pivots sort of on the journey uh, before you had a quote-unquote your big moment. Um, how do you navigate, navigate those changes and the challenges around taking a new direction with the product?
1: Yeah, and I would say some businesses um, are stem from an absolute genius idea that never changes. Some um, you know, someone them have that spark, um, they'll develop it, and you work on it for 10 years, and they've built Google. Uh, whereas, for us, we weren't that. We were the exact opposite we had a kind of vague idea of the kind of problem we wanted to solve but the actual specifics we definitely didn't have so we've pivoted probably not once not twice but you know continuously over the last few years and that's been driven by our kind of agile culture mm. you know looking towards the future we want to make sure we uh, you know we hold on to that because we we don't believe in you know, making a plan and sticking to it we believe in learning from the most recent data iterating and improving and uh, being agile and about everything we do
0: Perfect. One of the things, obviously, as well, we discussed was your sort of cap raising capital journey. And I think initially you'd been rejecting funding or the idea of funding and uh, conversations around it. So, what, what made you change your mind?
1: I think um, when I first met an investor, at a time we had uh, a lot of capital we'd built up from consultancy and, and we were being quite uh, we were bootstrapping it. So, we didn't need the investment. And one of the things I said to a first investor is we don 't need any investment, hmm. which turns out's the best thing you can possibly say to any investor so that was charlie songhurst he 's a really really influential investor in the european scene and and he's been an amazing advisor and, and coach for me in the company and yeah, he kind of highlighted well yeah, how long long's it going to take for you to grow a business without venture capital funding? Is that the kind of growth trajectory you want you know, versus here's what 's available on the capital market and Long story short, it was very compelling and mm-hmm. became our first investor. So it kind of twisted my arm a little bit But uh, I think it's absolutely right. It's really difficult to build a venture-scale business mm-hmm. uh, without that kind of growth. There's companies that have done it, and that's amazing, but very are the you exception. Know, the rule is you need investment. And something that I've learned is you've got to play the odds. I spent too long trying to be the outsider, and you're just making life hard for yourself. Actually, play the odds. You know, what What do most people who are successful do and, and do that? if you think that's right for
0: you. Yeah, fair enough. Excellent. Stepping into the podcast for a moment to talk about a recent update within Burnshean, we are putting together and soon to release our technology market report, which will have commentary on the recruitment market within technology space across the north and south of the UK. In addition, it will have a salary benchmark in there. If you're interested in getting your hands on a copy or getting yourself lined up to receive that as soon as it comes out, please sign up using the link in the podcast description. Um, You described yourself as dangerously agile, which I don't know if that's a concerning phrase or not, Um, but it's something that you obviously have at the heart of the organization at Zaptic. Why did you choose that and tell us a bit more about being dangerously agile?
1: Well, we are dangerously agile, um, because a lot of companies say they're agile, but what they mean is their engineering team will run in sprints. Mm. But we are dangerously agile, where every single aspect of a business is built around an agile methodology. We'll continuously adapt and improve as and when we get more data. You know, we're big believers that um, you can't plan for a future. Any planning is an assumption. You can, you can set goals, you can set objectives, and you can create what you think is a plan. But as you get more data, you need to adapt and you need to improve. So for us, you know, we're agile not just in engineering, but also ag- agile in product, in marketing, in sales. And as we grow, we're going to continue to, to keep, that in, uh, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that can be challenging is working with customers. We work with some of the largest brands in the world who don't tend to work in an agile manner, but they, you know, more than not, they want to. So we need to build relationships with them that you know, sets expectations as to how we like to work and uh, you know, share why we think that's the best way to work and why that's a valuable way to work.
0: So with an investor on the outside looking in, how do you handle their understanding of dangerously agile I imagine a VC would be concerned by that phrase probably
1: I I would say the right right VCs probably wouldn't be Mm -hmm. And that's almost something I screen for when speaking to VCs is, you know, it's a two-way front when raising capital. You only want to bring people on the business that are going to fit your culture and and your values. And that's something we screen for is if if we have an investor that wants us to create a plan and and stick to it, regardless of what data we get, then they're probably not the best investor for us. Mm -hmm. If we have an investor that's more strategic and then wants to um, allow us to adapt and improve and uh, continuously hone our pitch and what we're doing, then they might be a good fit for us.
0: Perfect. So obviously one of the things I want to dive into as well as around team culture, something that you're obviously particularly proud of, Dangerously Agile comes into that. How do you develop, the, do you want to describe a bit, bit of the culture firstly at Zaptic and then how you've developed it um, and how you've ensured that through your growth, you manage managed to maintain that through new hires and then development of your team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our culture is something that we've collectively built and developed over the last few years. And yeah, what we realized early on is in order to have a shared culture, which I think everyone agrees is important, mm-hmm. it needs to start from a collective value system. So a few years ago, we actually had an exercise where everyone in the company, we sat down and we went back to a drawing board and we thought, actually, what do we believe in? Like, What makes us different to other companies? Why are we solving the problems that we are solving? Um, and we looked at things like you know, what conflicts have we had internally, you know, why do people care about that versus other things, and we boiled it down to our set of values. Um, you know, our values are something that everyone in the company hopefully can, can list off. It's, you know, first and foremost, it's transparency. Mm-hmm. We believe in transparency for everyone in the organization. What that means, that means there's no hidden information, there's no secret source. If you're an engineer and you want to look at the sales pipeline, you're more than welcome. Um, if you're sales and you want to understand more about what engineering's doing then then great you know check go to GitLab, check it out it 's completely open source. everything can be accessed. So transparency is something we 're really passionate about. Uh, the second value is is autonomy and we are a small team we're really quite massive ambitions, so we 're not going to achieve our ambitions you know through micromanagement. Instead, what we are doing is everyone who comes into synaptic they're empowered to be completely autonomous. What that means is that, rather than being told how to do something or what to do, we'll uh, actually just tell you what the goals you need to hit are, what are your objectives and KPIs, how you go about doing that, that's really up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we'll give you support, we'll give you um, guidance on how we've done that in the past, but if someone came in and said, actually I think we should do this an entirely different way because it's going to be better, great, <laughs> you know, fantastic, why would we stop you? So. Um, I think it's for Steve Jobs' quote, I guess, quoted quote a lot, you know, you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do, you hire smart people so they can tell you what to do, and that's something that we we completely believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and autonomy is also something that we are giving to our customers and our end users as well, and it's, it's the exact same trend that's happening in industrial environments as well, as we want to take, you know, move away from the model where frontline workers are cogs in the machine and move towards a place where... They're empowered individuals who can make their own decisions and can uh, improve the process that they operate in. Mm -hmm. So autonomy is something we're really passionate about. Uh, Our third value is continuous improvement, and improvement is something that we are, um, again, you've mentioned before, dangerously agile, and and it's only only dangerous and not catastrophic if you're improving all the time. So by continuous improvement, for example, this value system that I'm telling you about now, that's part of what we call ZPS, the Zaptic Production System. The Zaptic Production System is a wiki in our, in our Git repository. All of our policy and procedural and how we do everything exists in there. It's entirely collectively owned. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in and thinks a way that um, you know, we manage merge requests isn't as, as good as it can be, Fantastic. a ZPS merge request. It will get reviewed. And actually, the default is if nobody reviews it within two weeks, it gets merged in and becomes process. So the default is change. Um, the default is improvement. And this you know covers everything in the business. So somebody joins as a QA engineer but wants to change our expense process. Great. You know, make a ZPS merge request and update it. So we're really passionate about having this collectively owned um, set of values and procedures. And it's not something that's pushed from a top down. It's something that everyone in the organisation has access to.
0: How do you then screen for that in your interview process? Is it a tricky one?
1: I think over time, my interviews personally have become more and more casual. Mm-hmm. I think mean, I started off reading, you know, interviews for dummies and sort of following the normal kind of interview yeah. process. <laughs> um, but actually I realized, yeah, you know, we say by the time we talk to somebody, we're you know normally looking for people who have good indicators and in, in their track record. So by the time we speak to people, they're they're normally more often not great great candidates anyway. So our interview process become more like a conversation. And what I try and do is my approach recently has been to try and scare people off. It's um, <laughs> right. you know I, as part of transparency, I realize well actually, I've seen in the past where people have joined the company and it's not what you've been sold, it's not what you've been told about, and it's not for them. And i realized well that's not good for a candidate but it's also not good for a company so what i've been doing in interview process actually is is laying it all out on the table so look, here are our challenges here's what day-to-day looks like here's how we work here's our value system we'll expect you to follow our value system does that sound like a company you can work and you know, a, a percentage of people will say no actually it's not for me and that that's great you know save them some time save us some time it's better spell of that when they join and um, you're know, unhappy
0: yeah no, that's, a gr- that's a great shout i mean obviously transparency being one of the values where better to start with it and that's right at the beginning in the interview process um obviously as we mentioned you're going through a bit of a growth period quite an exciting one um see with the funding coming in the expanding you know client base that you've obviously developing as well what are the challenges that you've faced with this growth though um it's not all happy easy on on onto the right path i imagine there's a few sort of bumps on the road even in an exciting phase like this
1: yeah, there is. And I would say we can move from having you know, potentially bad problems to have to having good problems to have. You know, there's always going to be problems to solve. And if you're not solving new problems, then you've got a problem. Um, and yeah, for us, since we've closed the investment, is we actually have, it's actually a really exciting time for us. I mean, the team size has, uh, has almost doubled now over the last few months. And with that comes challenges such as recruitment, you're finding people, finding the right people, you We've been really strict on not hiring anybody who doesn't meet our value system, um, who isn't going to be a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, and people. You know, we only hire people that are nice. I realized this recently. Um, <laughs> but we, we're only in the business of hiring nice people. And, mm-hmm. and generally people, once they join in they stay with us for for a long time and I'm really thankful for it. And I like to think part of that is if we're, we're a team of people that you're know, really get on together, you know, socially, professionally, um, and screening for that is a challenge. So what's hard is when we have, we have a lot of roles in the business we want to fill, but then actually um, you know, making sure that we keep our standards at the right level and we keep um, we keep hiring people that meet our values that can be a challenge.
0: Yeah, is uh, it been more difficult now? I guess that you're more distributed around the world. I know you've got a team member over in Canada now, and uh, people I guess distributed throughout the UK as well, not just northwest based. Or?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting one. So at, before the pandemic, we were all office-based, uh, we were based out in Manchester and London in the UK, then obviously we went remote along the rest of the world and a lot of our systems and the way we work so, you know, um, adjusted quite well to that. So we didn't see too much disruption and, and I think the team did an absolutely amazing job of just pulling together and um, making sure that happened. So. We moved to being remote fairly easily. And then when we were starting to hire a team, where well, we thought, well, actually, let's use this as an opportunity. Let's get the best people around the world. You know, They don't need to be sat in the office. It's always nice to see people in person, but that can be mitigated by having good remote culture, good tooling, good team systems, et cetera. So it has been a challenge at, at times, but now we have people all over Europe and Canada, and now we're looking even further afield. And we very much want Zaptic to be a... A global company because we're not selling to you know people in the UK Zaptic being used all around the world made by many different cultures many different people mm. and I think it's almost our goal we want to get as, as, as varied a workforce as possible with people from very different uh, backgrounds okay. and um, I think that's going to make Zaptik successful is is by doing that. So absolutely, we move now to having a more kind of remote culture. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mentioned before our second principle is autonomy. So a lot of the time people ask, well, how does it work? Do I need to come in the office? Do I need to work from home? And he has to just do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah we're autonomous. Yeah. So we, when somebody joins, we trust you implicitly. Everyone joins with full trust from day one. So if you say to us, actually, I'm going to work from home for the next two months, great. I want to come to your office, great. You know, it's up Mm. to you. We're not going to tell you um, you what to do. We're just going to tell you what we need you to achieve. Mm.
0: Sounds good to me. Perfect. Final question for me is, um, sort of a typical one that we always finish with, is what piece of advice would you give to someone who's either starting their journey up running their own business or, you know, on the periphery thinking about jumping in with two feet? Is there anything you think would be some good advice for them?
1: yeah my advice is always to get started i think you know from our story is you don't need that eureka moment at least i hope not because i'm still waiting for mine um just get started you do something try it i'd also say don't jump in with two feet i think there's this idea that it's binary it's like you either need to go full hog or not and i think that is true i think once you've got you you're not going to get anywhere by kind of half doing it you need to give it absolutely everything but yeah, you know, i was told a story before about how i i left university and it sounds like a great story, but the reality is, I left university, but I also negotiated with the university that I'd be able to come back after six months if it didn't work out.
0: Right, okay.
1: um, I then extended that six months later for the next year, and then the next year, and it was only until last year that we wrote a letter to me and said, "Right, you really can't come back. <laughs> uh, you're starting to take a mix." So I would say, you know, guest started, do it, um, but you know, mitigate risk where possible as long as it's not going to stop you from um, going after the full, full hog. So just get
0: started. Great. Great. Well, look, really appreciate that. I thoroughly look forward to the Zaptic film that will obviously follow Um <laughs> with your Zuckerberg moment in there. But yeah, thanks for joining us there, Richard. Really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs>